Pulp MX Network Production. This is the Rocky Mountain ATV MC Keeper Tested Podcast. The podcast you come to for the straight insight on all things motocentric. Hard parts, bikes, gear, suspension, motor mods, and more. It's Keeper Tested. Here he is, Chris Kiefer. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. Thank you for joining me. This is the one and only RockyMountainATVMC.com Kiefer Tested Podcast presented by FXR Racing and REP Suspension. Thank you for joining me. I appreciate it. Love it when you guys download these shows and listen in and hopefully have some fun and then get a little bit smarter about your dirt bikes. That's what our show is about, and we're going to continue to do this thing. And uh, thanks to our lovely sponsors here, RockyMountainATVMC.com is the trusted online source for parts, accessories, gear for dirt bikes, side-by-sides, ATVs, and street bikes, low prices, unparalleled customer service, free three-day shipping over 75 bucks. You guys should be going over to KieferInkTesting.com. Dot com right now, clicking on that RMATVMC banner, the only banner on my website, and that kicks you back over to their website, and you just continue to live your life, shop away, and we get a slice of what you guys are purchasing, and it really does help us out. Let's them know that, hey, I like this stupid idiot, and I want to listen to him. He's funny. He has some good information from time to time, and hopefully you guys keep supporting the Kiefer Tested podcast because we like it. So that's what that does. So thank you for the people out there that are actually doing that. It really does help us out, so thank you very much. FXRRacing.com, you want to look good, summertime, get some nice ventilated Revo or Helium gear. We got that over here. KKMX35 is the code. You guys want to save some dough, that is the code over there, and that's 35%. That's a big discount. If you're a lady, you like to moto down, I have a special code for you. Hit me up, Chris, at KieferInkTesting.com. And I will get you a special code for the ladies and uh, help you ladies looking real nice out on the track or trail, whatever you guys do. And Mark and the guys over at REP Suspension are working hard on some new settings for my YZ as well as a KX450 that's coming up. So looking forward to that. Actually, it's an SR build, so that is going to be really cool. We're going to have a couple different types of suspension on the SR, and we're going to do a little shootout. And Mark is going to be involved in that. So if you guys want to get your suspension done, serviced, or whatever, use the code KKREP. That'll save you some dough if you're getting it valved up. And uh, let Mark and the guys over there take care of your suspension needs because they are way smarter than me. And uh, they do a great job. And they take care of us over here at KieferInkTesting.com. Power Motorsports, Works Connection, Lit Pro, Blood Lubricants, 6D Helmets, International Vet Motocross Association. If you're over the age of 30 and you want to race, that is the association that you guys should be racing. Very fun group of guys and uh, lots of crap talking and just good times over there. So make sure you guys go race with those guys. They do a good job. Dunlop Tires, Pro Taper Bars, ScreenPrintingDone.com. Neil does great work. He's handling all of our merch. We're going to make up some new shirts here for the summertime. And get you guys some new hats and tank tops. But if you guys want to do your own stuff, ScreenPrintingDone.com is the place to do it. Decal Works, all the graphics, numbers, preprints you need, they can do it. Alpine Stars, Oakley, 
Polysport Plastics. You can get Polysport over at Rocky Mountain ATVMC. And uh, those are all the people that help us out in 2023. So thank you for uh, supporting us and actually supporting them if you can. So I wanted to do a show. It's kind of like, um, I don't want to say a slow season, part of the season, but it is as far as new bikes go and, and getting bikes and testing we're at the cusp of 24, so there's a little bit of a, a month or so delay in some of this stuff. So I wanted to fill some of these shows with some information um, that I think you guys need. I get a lot of emails during the day. As you guys know, I I have an open-door policy. You guys can ask me anything you want. I'll try to help you as much as I can. If I know it, I will try to help. If I don't, I will just say, I don't know. I can't help you. Um but I wanted to read some of these emails that I get and talk to you guys over the show because I feel like it's more personable and you guys can get a feel of what I'm talking about versus just the email. So I like to do this from time to time. I may do maybe one to two of these shows a year. I don't do them very much. Um, but I wanted to read some emails on air, answer them, and then also have Chad from XPR uh, Performance. He is... Uh, uh, he has done a lot of my engines in the past. He's a he's a great guy for one. Uh, he's Canadian, It's so not shocking that he's a good dude. A lot of good Canadians um, I've met over the years. Uh, but man, he has uh, really worked himself into a huge business out here in Southern California. Uh, obviously, he does all the engines for the team Bullfrog Spas Honda uh, squad. He's got World Supercross coming up. So there's a couple engine questions that I had for him that I get through my email, and uh, we're going to talk about that. So, uh, man, it's, it should be a good show, and hopefully you guys can learn something. If you do have a question you want to be read on the show, always chris at keyforinktesting.com, and I'm here to help you guys as much as I can. So I don't got a lot of questions. I just kind of hit the ones that I do get a lot of, and uh, nothing specific will bounce around a little bit, but... Um, most of it has to do with setup or how I got in the industry, uh, being in shape, and so on and so forth. So I'll read these emails to you, and hopefully it strikes a chord with you somehow, and it could help you in some way. Because I feel like these emails that I'm reading are constant. Out of everything that I get, these emails are the types that I get a lot of. So hopefully you guys can relate to some of these. Okay, so diving right into this thing, Austin Zink. Um, it's about his kid getting into riding. Uh, my son is six, and we primarily ride off-road. I'm looking for a little advice on how to go about having kids within dirt bikes. My son loves riding and wants to race in the woods, moto, and always wants to be on the bike. Wondering how much to help your kid and when to step back. I've had a hands-off approach and kind of just let him do his thing and never really stepped in. I took him to a riding school in the middle of the week last week, and he had a great time and wants to go back. He applied what he learned over the weekend as well, and I don't want to be that dad that lives through his kid and is overbearing, but I also don't want to, don't want my son or me to look back and wish we did more together. I am a realist and understand the odds of him getting to the elite in the sport is also unlikely. Where do you draw the line on helping aid and get better? Riding schools, pushing him to build the grit, but not pushing him too far. I just want to know what your thought process is on raising a kid in the sport without pushing them too hard, but at the same time, not setting them up for the long haul with 
you know, riding form, not preparing them better for the sport. When all the competition elevating is around him. My son has a passion to win and has won every GNCC, but won and is on track for two national off-road titles. So it sounds like, Austin, that your kid's pretty good. Um, he's only six years old, right? <laughs> so uh, it's, it's a delicate process. I can tell you from experience, and I'll just give you guys out there what I did with Aiden, and maybe you have a child and you guys are thinking about it as well. So... I'm going to take you a little bit far back, so bear with me on this story. So if you're driving or in the shop, just sit back and relax because I'm going to take you through some of our our, uh, our, our life choices over here uh, as far as Heather and I. We had Aiden. Obviously, I was uh, testing for a living. Um, I was a contract guy. I wasn't employed um, for anyone. I was just doing a contract work, and but I needed to get something more solid because I was having a baby with Heather and... I was like, okay, so I went to work um, at Yamaha. I was a contract test guy there, but then they hired me in-house. So we had Aiden, and I've been hurt many, many times. I know what it's all about. I love dirt bikes. I specifically remember one of my friends when I was about 14 years old uh, passed away riding in a, in, in, in a race, and my parents sat me down and wanted to know if I knew exactly – what was going on and what happened. You know, I knew my friend passed away, but I don't think my parents knew if I knew the severity of what it's all about. Did I really know it at 14 years old? So they sat me down and started to talk to me about dirt bikes and the dangers and what happened and um, my friend Joey that lost his life. And I started crying immediately. And they're like, hey, man, we're sorry. Like, are you okay? And I was crying because... Not only was I sad about Joey, but I was really concerned that they were going to pull my bike away from me and not let me ride anymore. It sounds really morbid and, and screwed up a little bit now that I'm older. Like I was more concerned about me not having my bike versus, hey, Joey's not around anymore. And maybe that was me being young and didn't know the severity of it. Obviously, it's different now that I'm older, but... That showed me that like I really wanted to do it, and I think it showed my parents that's what I really wanted to do. So they knew that I was accepting that risk. So when we had Aiden, um, I never pushed it. Um, we bought him a little offset trials bike, and we let him cruise around the house. Some days he wanted to do it. Some days he didn't. I was fine with it. Obviously, I'm around it all the time, so I wasn't uh, – looking to go riding or, you know, push it too much on Aiden uh, when I got home because I was doing it all day. So uh, he rode a little bit more, Austin, when he was about six or seven. And then between about seven years old and 11 years old, I would go to the track and i say, Aiden, do you want me to load up your bike? And I would have a bike on hand at any time, a KX65 or as he grew up, an 85. And he never really said, yeah, Dad, I want to go ride with you. Sometimes he would say, sure. Sometimes he would say, no, I'm going to stay with Mom today. And he would hang out with Mom. Or he would just go to the track. He's like, can you just load my bicycle or my electric trials bike? He didn't want to bring his motorbike. And I said, sure. I never pushed it, never did anything. Until about 12 years old, 
is when he started standing up and saying, Dad, I really want to go riding. Can we ride? He would ask me. And then that's when I knew that he was really into it. And then we still kept it fun, Austin. Like, we rode together. It was a really good time for me and him. Like, we just had a great time. I, ta- I taught him the basics. We'd ride from the house. And it it was nothing more than that. And I think all of us listening to this show, if we have kids, right, we just want to share good memories, good times with them, and most of that is on two wheels. I went camping as a, a kid with my family in the desert, and that's what we did. We camped and we rode dirt bikes and odysseys, if you remember the odyssey, uh, ATVs, and we just hung out, you know, and my parents would have a good time drinking by the fire at night with their friends, and us kids would go dick off near the hill and do stupid shit, throw rocks or Or whatever, and it was just a good time. And I was looking for that for Aiden. You know, let's go to the track, let's go trail ride, and let's just have a good time. And then 12 years old hit, and he's like, I want to race. And we put him in a race. And he had a good time. And um, he had some bad crashes. Um, he, He did some dumb things. But I was always really stern about safety. I put Aiden on an electric trials bike when he was five years old because of safety. It wasn't because I want him to be a professional. I knew that he was going to be involved with dirt bikes somehow because of how our family is, right? So he is going to ride for sure, somehow, some form. But I want to make sure he was as safe as possible. So put him on, putting him on a um, Osset Trials bike and have him dicking off in the backyard doing stairs – Teaching him how to weight his pegs, standing up, has taught him how to ride properly. When you watch Aiden, if you follow him on Instagram or when I watch him, I'm I'm blown away because when I was 17, I was not near as good as Aiden or technique-wise. And it all goes back to those days in the backyard with the electric trials bike is it taught him the right way to ride a, a motorcycle. And then also, Austin, I also preached about how dangerous our sport is. I scared him a little bit more than I think other parents do to their kids. I go, hey, man, if you do this, this is going to happen. Or if you see that, that could happen. I gave him all the scenarios of bad things. I put that in his head for a reason. Not to scare the shit shit out of him and then, like, scare him away from dirt bikes, but, like, scare him enough, like, hey, man, you could get hurt. And then he's crashed enough to where he's been kind of hurt, not really bad, but like, oh, shit, dad's right. It could really go south. So he's always been somewhat of a careful kid up until now. Now he's really competitive, so I think some of that went out the door. But for me, Austin, I just laid back, had a good time. Take him, take your son to the race. Teach him the right way to ride. Teach them the value of what it can do for your life. And that's what I brought into Aiden's writing uh, as a teenager. As you guys know, having a teenager is not easy, writing or not. And what I use with dirt bikes is how to be a man and grow up in this world. There's responsibilities Aiden has to do to be able to ride his dirt bike. Um, I just went off last night on Pulp MX show about my rant about uh, parents writing their social media captions for their kids on their kids' accounts. And that's just a snippet of of kind of what I try to do here is I make sure that's Aiden's responsibility. If you want to be a racer, which he said, yes, Dad, I want to be a professional racer. And then I go, 
you know that is one out of a million that you're going to make it and be able to retire off of the money you make racing dirt bikes. He goes, I understand, but I want to try. So my job is to make sure I do as much as I can for him, but also educate him of how to get there, right? I never got there. I'm doing it for a job, but I wasn't as good as Aiden or could make money racing dirt bikes. I made some, but I couldn't make a living. So there's certain things you have to do, and I make him do those things. He has to learn how to work on a bike. He has to wash his own bike. He has to do the maintenance on his bike. He has to take care of his homework. He, he has to email his sponsors on him, for himself. I'm not writing that. He can show me and I can help him. He has to write his own captions on his social media. He has to go up and talk to people. He has to look them in the eye. He has to shake their hands. He has to keep his word. All these things that have kind of fell off the wayside in our world, in our society, I'm teaching Aiden those things through dirt bikes. Our industry is small. So the long, <laughs> the long answer, Austin, is I use dirt bikes as a key to build up my son to make sure he's going to be a good adult. And then whatever happens with his racing is what happens. Your kid is built with something, I feel like, and this is my belief. Like, I had a ceiling, right? I was born, my parent, my dad rode, he passed that on to me. Aiden was born, I passed what I have on to Aiden. Aiden's going to be better than me. I was better than my dad. But there is a ceiling, I feel like. Your kid is born with a certain amount of heart, uh, your kid is born with a certain amount of drive, and you need a shit ton of all of that to be a professional motocross or off-road rider. So I just chill back a little bit. I'm a little bit more aggressive now because he wants to do it for a living, but that's because I'm spending a lot of money to go to these places, but I'm still not going ape shit about flying him all over hell to go to these um you know, Club MX or SOB, and we can do a lot of work from home and be together as a family, and he can be as good as he could be if he was training at Club MX, you know? Um, I'm just not willing to just dump my kid off somewhere and uh, leave him to grow up on his own at 17 years old, and a lot of parents do that, and that's fine, but i just not set up to do that, one, financially, and two, I just want to be a part of my kid's life, so... I'll try to keep him around as long as I can until he either A, wants to move out or uh, makes enough money where he can he can do his own thing. So for me, Austin, keep it fun for him. If he wants to do it, give him the option. Ask him point Blake as he gets older. He's six years old, so don't even worry about anything right now. Keep it fun. Do stuff together. Let him see you ride as well. That makes it fun for them. You guys can share that. You guys can talk about you know, what part of the trail you guys like the best or the track or something. Do something together where you guys can see eye to eye and share those things. That's important. And then when he gets to be 12, 13, 14, and you guys are still doing it and you're spending more money and you're doing these things and asking, you know, hey, what do you want to do with this? Do you want to make it your job? And if you do, you got to make sure he's held accountable for all the things he needs to do to get there. And you got to make him do those things on his own somewhat and then let him make his own mistakes, and then you help him with those mistakes. That's what I do with Aiden. Aiden fucks up all the time, but I'm there. I talk about it. You know why you fucked up? 
Here's the reasons why. You know how to fix that? Here's the reasons. It's up to them to, to kind of make what they want out of it. Um, Wygant made a good post about his kid when his kid rode the Denver Supercross. Is They're not us. They're their own person. Um, there's some of us inside of them, but they're going to do what they're going to do regardless. But they need the guidance as you know, from us as parents. So, um, so yeah, Austin, it's, it's a long road. You're going to, you're, if you're embarking on this journey, I, uh, I commend you. It's a, it's a, it's a fun one. Takes a lot of money. takes a lot of patience, but it also, um, you got to let them kind of understand how much work it is and let them feel some of that. That, that's my, uh, that's my point of view. All right. Another one. Um, this comes from James Spartley. Hopefully uh, I said that right. Hey, Kiefer, love your show. Um, I would like to know how to train when you're over 40. I am currently 48 years old, a little over 200 pounds, but I love to ride. I'm just not in the shape that I need to be in on race day. I have a 9-to-5 job, and I only get to ride one to two days per week. How do I go about getting in better shape so on race day I'm not – (laughs) <laughs> I'm not dragging my tongue in my spokes. Thank you. Well, um, I don't know if I'm the correct guy to do this, uh, but for me, and you guys can take it or leave it if you guys are over the age of 40 and you guys have a normal job, it's a lot tougher than the situation that I am for sure. Because I have, I wouldn't say I have more time, but for sure, I ride a hell of a lot more than you guys do because you guys have real jobs. I have a dirt bike job, so my job is to ride. But the quality of riding that I get is not great for racing. Sure, I'm on a bike, I'm riding, but I'm not putting in motos every single day unless I'm getting ready for a race. And then that's where it gets taxing is because I have to separate testing versus quality motos, and then I got to double up on some of that on some days. So for you guys, and I've said this on another show, the best thing you guys can do out there is ride your dirt bike. If you did nothing else, if you didn't go to the gym, you didn't cycle, you didn't run, try to ride as much as you can. So figure out what you guys can do. It is summertime. It gets dark pretty late. Now we have more time in the day. If you can make it after work to ride a couple hours, I would suggest that. If you have a race on Sunday, I would try to ride the week of your race two days before your race. And if you can't, no problem. But you need to subsidize it with something. Let's say, Kiefer, I can't get on a motorcycle until the weekend because I'm, I'm tied up. I can't do it. So what do I do? So you try to simulate your race day as much as you can without riding your dirt bike. Some of this is going to sound really stupid, but it worked for me. And if your wife comes out in the garage, she's going to go, what in the hell are you doing? And you can blame it on me if you want. You can say, Kiefer made me do it. I'm trying it. If I look dumb, uh, go yell at him, but give it a try. So for me, what works is being around dirt bikes. Okay, Kiefer, I can't ride it. What the fuck are you talking about? All right. Well, you got your bike in the shop, right? Riding is a feeling for me. And I'm not getting all grainy and weird and rhino on you like, oh, Mother Earth and all this shit, right? No. What I'm saying is riding is a feeling. You're on your bike. You sit on it. You have a feeling like, okay, today's going to be a good day. Or when you 
you can sometimes get right on the track and just feel like, ah, oh, man, I just feel a little off today. Some of that is because you're not on your bike enough. I do the best when I ride a lot. That's when I ride the best. There is a time where I ride too much, but for you guys out there, I feel like the more you're on your bike, and I'm not saying I'm not saying riding the bike on it. So you kind of know where I'm getting at. First and foremost is go out in the shop for 30, 40 minutes. Take your bike off the stand. Sit on your bike. Sit on your bike for 10 minutes. Go throw some tunes on the garage. Sit on your bike for 10 minutes, whatever. Just kind of feel your bike out. Sit on it, you know, play with the clutch, do the throttle, use the brake pedal. Sounds super lame, right? But it's not. Um, Sometimes just sitting on your bike can give you a feeling. Sure, you're not gaining any strength or uh, (laughs) physical advantage, but you are getting a feeling, and that sometimes can save you in the long run in a race. Not having that feeling the whole race You're just going to be screwed. So I'm trying to bridge the gap a little bit for you guys. Let's So you say out there for 10 to 15 minutes, you sit on your bike. You want to get a little workout? Do this. (laughs) Uh, I've never told anybody this, by the way. This is crazy. So I should have said this a long time ago. But it is crazy, but it works for me. It's up to you guys to do it. Sit on your bike for 10 to 15 minutes. You want to do a little bit of workout. uh, Put your bike on the on the side, like dump it on the side. Don't drop it, obviously, right? You just lay it on its side, pick it up, drop it down, pick it up, drop it down, pick it up, drop it down. Almost like a squat and then pushing it away from you to get on your bike. You want to make 20 reps out of that? Do it. Set your bike down on the stand. Let's say like, you know how you change a clutch and you put your handlebars on the stand, put it down the stand, lift it up, get on the bike. That's one rep. Push it down on the stand, lift it up, swing your leg over, get on the dirt bike. Do it 20 reps, and I guarantee your heart rate is up, your legs are, are screaming, your arms are a little weak and shaky, and your heart rate is up. That is a workout with your motorcycle. Super lame, right? But it freaking works. You're with your dirt bike, you're feeling your dirt bike, and you're getting a workout. And you could be out in the garage for 30 minutes and be done. And, and there you go. There's a workout, right? So... You don't have access to a gym. You have access to your garage and your dirt bike. You can make a workout with your motorcycle. It's crazy, I know, but it actually really does help me when I can't ride, and that's not very often, but when I do go a couple weeks, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go race with Aiden, and I haven't ridden, and this has happened a couple times, I will do this workout, and it will actually help me be a little bit more uh, in tune with my motorcycle and the feeling that I get. Because if you're not on a dirt bike, it feels foreign. It's like driving someone else's car, and then you get into your car that someone else drove, and you're like, oh, the seat's kind of weird. The steering wheel's not right. It just feels different. And then you drive 15, 20 minutes, and you feel like it's back to normal, right? Well, in motocross, 15, 20 minutes, race is done. You don't got the feeling. So keep that feeling alive and work out. So that's what I suggest for a workout if you can't, if you're over 40. Like, I don't care if you're 20. It, 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 it works. If you got a job, you're normal living, you're a blue-collar dude, this is a great workout in the garage. Now, if you can go riding, try to do quality motos, okay? And what I mean by quality motos is structure. I've talked about this in other shows. Like, I need a purpose, right? 
If you guys have goals, I'm a big goal-driven person. I try to have one to two goals a year, whatever it is. Hopefully, I achieve them. If I don't, I try to do it again next year. But have a purpose when you get to the track. Just don't do it uh, blindly, you know? Just don't be like, hey, man, I'm just going to go ride. No. Like, I'm going to do seven-lap moto, come in, rest for 15 minutes, and seven-lap moto, rest for 15 minutes. Then I'm going to do a couple sprints, and I'm gone. And then maybe you're there for an hour and a half. You go home to the wife, have dinner. You feel good about yourself because you actually accomplished what you wanted to do, and you mimicked your race day. Obviously, maybe your race isn't 20-minute motos. It's not 30-minute motos. If it's five, six laps, figure that out. Do that at your practice track. Get with a couple buddies, if you can, and dick measure. Measure up if they're your speed. Have a simulation race. You know, you East Coast guys, you got you got it made. You got a lot of good tracks, and you don't got that much. You don't got that many people saturating your tracks. I feel like compared to California, we have a shit ton of practicers out here, and our tracks are saturated because we don't have that many of them. And it's hard to do what you want to do on the track because there's dudes everywhere, and and just all over. So kids like. It's such a mix. You can't hang it out and try your hardest because you'll land on someone or someone will land on you. So it's just crazy. But you want to mimic what you do on a Sunday. So that is the best way to get in shape and get rid of some arm pump as well is try to mimic your race day. Anytime you make up your mind and say, hey, I'm going to go practice, but today is a race simulation practice, the nerves will come. If you just sit behind a gate and you have your buddy lift up the gate, your nerves will come. Like I told that to Heather and Aiden the other day. I'm like, it doesn't matter. We could be out in the middle of the desert. You you put a three-man gate out there, and then we get behind the gate. I still get nerves because I'm behind the gate. Like, I want to win, right? Use that during the week if you can get out one to two times. And then that will help you on Sunday because then your body's used to it. And then do the garage workout. It seems super lame, but it's it's like almost a full-body workout, and it, you're with your dirt bike. So it's a little bit of a different answer. Um, but that's what I would suggest to try to get you in better shape at 40. Sure, we can go on this whole thing about eating right, and I can give you gym-specific exercises, which I've done. You go to my YouTube channel. There are specific motorcycle gym exercises that I show you that I do at my home gym. And what I do is I'm a big proponent of riding. Okay, So I ride, and then I have a purpose when I go to the track. If I'm racing... I have a specific purpose with my kid. We're doing, you know, 20-minute moto. Then we're doing a 10-minute sprint and then a 20-minute moto. We, we have a purpose, and then we get out of there. And then I bicycle a lot. I do a lot of bicycling, and then I do a lot of stretching. I stretch a lot. If you're over the age of 40, you're going to crash at some point. So if you don't lift a weight and you do nothing but sit in your garage and do that bike workout that I told you and then sit your ass in the living room and then stretch. Just look up some exercises on Google and just stretch because you're going to crash and you're going to have to be limber or it's just nice to be loose when you line up to go race. When you guys going to go race on a Sunday, stretch out a little bit, get up a little bit early, eat some oatmeal and stretch. I'm a big proponent of stretching. I'm pretty flexible for a 46 year old dude. And that's because I'm in that home gym almost every day stretching my legs, my hands. I'm doing band workouts. I'm not meatheading it and doing bench press all the time. I'm doing stuff that I need for my dirt bike. That's what you guys need to do if you want to be better on your dirt bike. Hey, 
Yep, it's that time. Commercials, seven minutes of your life, not wasted. That's right, not wasted. Hang tight. We'll be right back with the show. ScreenPrintingDone.com My dream is the world's most powerful t-shirt. Do you want to look good, but you ain't got the money? Trying to get some t-shirts made? Yeah, Go to ScreenPrintingDone.com This is a t-shirt. You can get anything you want on that t-shirt. I'm about to show you guys how y'all can look fly. Your business name. That's my business. Your kid's name. Oh, Billy. Your favorite phrase, like, let's go, buddy, or free jailbirds. I agree. Anything at all. ScreenPrintingDone.com. T-shirt printing business. Mention Kiefer on your next order and get 10 free T-shirts. That's what I'm talking about! ScreenPrintingDone.com. I know it's tough sometimes, guys. What engine oil should I run? What weight? Synthetic or non-synthetic? It's tough. But you guys, I've been running blood lubricants for about two and a half years now. I've had great results. You guys are looking for some great oil. The Barracuda Blood Series 1040 is what we run in all of our test bikes here. Um, It's specifically formulated for the most brutal racing conditions on Earth. Look, heat, high humidity, silt, mud, whatever you got, this Barracuda Blood 1040 can handle it. 1040 is a great weight for most motocross and off-road machines, even though maybe your uh, owner's manual says run 530 or 1050. To me, 1040 is a great weight. Check it out. Barracuda Blood Series. Um, it's been through Baja 1000, the 500, Mint 400, Vegas, Torino, all of our test bikes here. 100% synthetic oil. It's great stuff. Uh, you put it in, and I run about two and a half engine hours. I take it out, and man, it still comes out pretty damn clean. So, you can use the code Kiefer at checkout over at bloodlubricants.com. Save yourself 25% off a case of oil. They have all different kinds of stuff. They have suspension oils. They've got sprays, chain lubes, whatever it is for oil-related stuff for your off-road motorcycle. Check out bloodracing.com. Ride-engineering.com. You guys want to get some clamps, some bar mounts, some chain blocks, uh, brake calipers, Adrian over there at Ride Engineering has a lot of quality parts. And if you use the code KT20, that'll save you 20% off what he offers over there. So that's ride-engineering.com. And he is not only the guy who tests the parts, I mean, I help him as well, but he also has an engineering degree. Holy crap. So go check him out, ride-engineering.com. Use the code KT20 to save some money. You guys out there tweaking on handlebars and grips? Trust me, I do it almost daily. If you're looking for a strong bar but yet has a lot of flex, look no further than the Pro Taper Evo bar. It is my favorite bar out there on the market right now. Why? They have great bends. The bar flexes. I don't get vibration from the bar. I'm getting older. I want some flex in my bar, but yet I want it to be strong. And Pro Taper has the strongest and the lightest bar out there. That actually flexes. So go check them out, protaper.com. I'm currently using uh, SX Race Bend on my Yamahas. There is a brand new bend that's just coming out right now. You guys should see that. It is called Race Team Bend, and that is what we use over on Aiden's KTM and my KTM here uh, in the shop. So protaper.com, they have race cut grips, they have sprockets, they have chains, all different kinds of things. Go check them out, protaper.com. You guys want to go check out the new 2023 Yamaha YZs? Thinking about buying one? 
or maybe a two-stroke. The new YZ450F is narrower, more compact, and lighter. It's built to do one thing, go faster. Don't worry, the old tried-and-true 2023 YZ250F, no changes for 2023, but still the great same shootout-winning 250F. And it's all over at Power Motorsports. So go check them out. Get your new Yamaha from the number one Yamaha dealership in the USA. The pros at Power Motorsports in Sublimity, Oregon. Let them know you heard it here. That's right. The one and only Kiefer Tested Podcast. Call or text 503-769-8888 and ask for the power price. I don't even care where you're at in the USA. Maine, California, Florida, Washington. Just go visit them, powermotorsports.com, or hit me up, chris at kieferinktesting.com, and I'll get you in touch with the guys over there at Power and let you go rip around on your new scooter. So fun. Dress properly for your ride with a helmet, eye protection, riding jacket, or long sleeve shirt, long pants, gloves, and boots. Do not drink and ride. It is illegal and stupid. Why you punish me? Yeah, you guys know that time punishes you if you're not on top of your game. Look, I'm a competitive guy at 45. My kid is 15, and he is right on me every time we go out to the track. But you know what? You know what takes the guesswork out of who's the king for the day, who gets to talk trash on the way home? That's right. You can measure your lap times, you can reach your full potential, and of course, you'll never guess where you're gaining or losing time. Go to litprolive.com. You can email me, chris, at kieferinktesting.com for a discount code on one of their GPS receivers. Getting started is super easy with LitPro. Pick a GPS receiver, download the app, and add a subscription, and then you're on your way to improve your lap times, get a better result as your, you know, than your buddy, that's right, because there's nothing better than bragging rights when you're on your way home. You throw your guy a text, who got the best of you, baby? That's right, I did. And you want to know how to do it? Lip Pro. Aiden and I have been on this for about a year now. Super easy to use. Look, I am not a tech-savvy guy, and Lip Pro is super easy for me and Aiden to navigate. And uh, I think it would be a great benefit to you guys out there. So hit me up, chris at keyforinktesting.com. Go to Lip Pro Live. You guys want to see anything related to how to keep time, how to improve your lap times, what section you want to improve on, all those things and more over on LipProLive.com. You like to go ride? Are you over the age of 30 like myself? Well, guess what? There's an association where you can go racing and you have a great time. Five motos over the complete weekend. You can go to oldtimersmx.com, but they're going to change their name to International Vet Motocross Series. You can check them out here very soon. But several races over several months all over the western United States. It's going to be a fun time. And let me tell you guys, I just went racing last week, and it is a great time. If you haven't been out racing in quite some time and you're an older gentleman or a lady, they have plenty of classes for you. There's people out there that enjoy riding and racing dirt bikes just like yourself, but hey, you got to go do it. You got to go check them out right now. Go to oldtimersmx.com. But again, we're going to change our name up to IVMX, International Vet Motocross Association. 
So go look for them. And if you have any questions about the series, hit me up, Chris, at KeeferInkTesting.com, and we'll get you out there and have some fun, get some gate drops. We are back. Thanks for hanging tight. On with the show. Here's Chad. All right, so the next uh, topic, I have Chad from XPR Motorsports on here. Uh, you guys heard him on my show before. So, uh, Chad, how's it going? Doing well, thanks. Um, so we brought you in because I get a shit ton of engine questions. <laughs> and Chad's actually really good at people. Like, I will forward some of these things that I don't know, and I will forward these to Chad. And, and Chad is one of the few people that will respond to you guys out there, uh, some of you idiots with these questions that you have. Uh, and he will do it. He is one of the nice guys. So um, Chad has done a lot of work for me. He's done a lot of work for Aiden. And uh, his shop is based out of Myriad, California. You guys can go check it out, xprperformance.com. And uh, you are the engine guy for the one and only Bullfrog Spas Honda team. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for the, the invite back on the show. It's great. People loved um, it. People loved it when you were on, Chad. Uh, I'm, I'm glad. Hopefully you can provide them with some good information and it helps them. Yeah. Um, all right. So the number one question that I get, and I and I have a lot of them, but I don't know how much time you got, is about, hey, man, I'm a blue collar, dude. I, I ride on the weekend, so maybe max one to two times per week. I have a, let's just call it, within a five-year-old motorcycle, right? How often do I need to do a bottom end slash top end. And if I do need to do some maintenance to my engine, can I just get a way of doing a top end and not a bottom end? And by the way, Chad, I am a, I am a 220 pound, uh, <laughs> this is what I get. I'm a 220 pound, um, low level B rider, but maybe C rider. So I, I don't know what the fuck this guy is. Right. But this is what I get. Right. Some random shit. But yeah, it, it, we get questions like that all the time. And, and to be honest, it, it it's a little tricky to answer because we don't know the riding ability. Right. We don't know the riding conditions. But generally, we always tell guys, you know, hey, have a look at your manual, you know, your owner's manual. It'll tell you intervals. But for us, you know, once we have a feel for what guys are doing, you know, top ends, like at a pro level, we're tearing this stuff down all the time. Like it's almost, you know, one to two races, stuff's coming apart. Uh, we inspect, we'll replace if needed. So let me ask As, you this before you move on. So when you tear down a race engine, right? So how, when you look at it, are you like, oh yeah, it needs to be replaced? Or are you like, oh man, it's it's still pretty good? So sometimes it's visual. Sometimes we have test equipment to to test the parts and make sure that they're good. Uh, meaning like we have a valve spring tester and we can check to see if the valve springs have sacked out and lost their integrity. Okay. Um, that That's one thing we'll check. The other thing we'll check is, you know, the piston hardness. So that's uh, on a Rockwell scale. Uh, scale. Oh, no so shit. let's say if, if the motor has gotten really, really hot, um, the aluminum will get soft and when it gets soft, it can cause all kinds of issues. So we can rock well test it and be sure like, Hey, we're good to go. We can go X amount of hours more. And then there's also the visual stuff that we look at to, you know, we can see usually the areas that 
will cause parts to fatigue is the heat. It's always heat. Mm. So, you know, and every, every pro rider is a little bit different. And to be completely honest, we can see um, how well a rider's riding as well. If they're not feeling it, they don't use the motor. Um, some guys are just revers and we can, we can see that as well. Right. So we, we see a lot, which is a really good gauge because these guys, they'll, they'll time out a motor faster than anybody can. Mm. Um, you know, so when we start getting to, you know, um, faster amateur stuff, it's kind of the same protocol simply because, you know, it's safety, it's, um, you know, we'll go a little bit longer in the intervals, meaning like 20 hours is usually like the goal. Right. Um, for that, it, just because we want to make sure that, hey, you don't have a, a failure and, you know, it's costing mom and dad more and all that kind of stuff. So as we get to like the vet guys, this is where it's a little tricky because there's so many areas all over the world that people are riding, different conditions. You got sand, you got mud, you got hard pack, you got. So let, let, you know, me, let, me, let me paint you a picture that I just got the other day. Okay. And then you can okay. answer to yep. this specific guy. Uh, I had a guy just bought a 23 YZ 450. He lives out in Texas and he rides, it's 90 to 100 degrees currently. And he rides deep, loamy tracks, right? And he's riding three days a week, uh, two uh, Saturday, Sunday, and then maybe one day during the week. And he said, Kiefer, my engine is so hot. Like, I feel like my bike is running so hot. And I, and I kind of asked him, I go, well, what does that mean? Is, are you sucking water? Is the, is the radiator coolant low? And he's like, no, I, can, I can't see the coil, so I'm not sucking water. But I just feel like it is so hot. I, I came from a Honda, and my Honda didn't feel this hot compared to my Yamaha. So where does this guy stand on, hey, okay, I, you said heat kills things, so where, where's the limit for this guy? And he is a, he's okay, a well vet B rider. Okay, so a vet B rider. So I, I think straight away the difference between the bikes is the Yamaha, because the pipe wraps around the engine, you're going to feel the heat a lot more off the exhaust pipe than you're going to on the Honda because the way it's routed. So okay. that could be part of what he's feeling, Yep. Um, which is pretty real. I mean, I was just on a dyno with a Yamaha not long ago, and you know my legs were burning hot because the exhaust were so close to my legs. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but for him, you know, with that particular bike, if he's a, a faster rider, I would say, you know, one of the things that he probably should look at, uh, frequently is the clutch and then maybe 40 to 50 hours, probably replace the rod, yeah. uh, in that particular bike. So I guess this is also a good question. I'm going to kind of put you on the spot here. I didn't prep you for this. Uh, I'm going to read you just some bikes okay i'm gonna say okay like right now i'm gonna say honda crf 450 if i'm a honda crf 450 owner 22 23 owner what is something that i need to look at and be on top of from what you've seen that bike's been fairly good uh i always worry with rod and piston with that bike Okay. Uh, so yeah, once again, comes to heat and how it's being ridden. Um, everything else in that one's been pretty solid. Cause I feel like Chad and correct me if I'm wrong is 
each bike has a weakness, right? And it has strengths. Hundred percent. Like yep. I feel like the weakness of a twenty-three YZ four fifty is the clutch. Like it just doesn't have the doesn't have the the life of the clutch, you know. So yeah, no, I agree. Um, uh, clutch and rod on that bike, Honda. Honda clutch is better. Um, needs to go a little bit. Yeah, I mean it's it's gotten better than the previous version. Um, Honda's been good otherwise. Cowie Cowie four fifty rods. Um, those are also a concern. You know, every bike's got a little little quirks about them. Yeah. Okay. Let's say. I know you do RMZ250 recently. Anything on the RMZ250? That bike's pretty solid, to be honest. Really? Um, and and I've told people this. Like People think Suzuki's a piece of shit. But I go, dude, honestly, I've had Suzuki's a long time here at the shop, and they've lasted better than Cowie's. Well, look, they're built, they're built in a way that they're tough. Like all, So the progression of all these bikes have gotten lighter and lighter. And they're taking material away from ca- engine cases, head cylinders, everywhere. You know, try to lighten them up. Suzuki yeah, may be good and bad. I mean, so good good that they have a really solid engine and it really doesn't chew a whole lot of parts. Right. Uh, but maybe a little bit on the heavier side, right? So, but it's it's a solid bike. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I feel like. Good bottom end stock. I feel like it has a lot of bottom, snappy bottom end, right? RMZ250, and then it just doesn't rev out as good as others, right? It, it needs more. It need, needs more mid top, and the reason for that is, is like we're, we've gotten used to the new 250s where they're they're revers. You know, we the, the bore and stroke has changed, so we got a bigger bore, shorter stroke, which means more revs at higher RPMs. And the Suzuki's kept the, you know, the same formula as the Yamaha uh, bore and stroke. The difference between those two bikes, meaning Suzuki 250 and Yamaha 250, is the Yamaha 250 is downdraft intake port, whereas the Suzuki has still kept its, you know, uh, same angle, I think, since they came out with it. Right. So it's a little bit flatter versus a downdraft port. So... To wrap this kind of question up, I know we kind of went off on a tangent, but like it really depends on how you ride, how hot the motor gets, and what type of dirt that you actually ride in. Yeah, so a good indicator is like you go out riding in some deep sand or mud and you drop the oil after. Yeah. And it's come out black. That means that you're, you've probably gotten the motor fairly hot. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's clutch, you know, like clutch debris in your oil. What that usually means is that the oil's broken down. And it's lost all its, you know, film strength um, because of the heat. So it's just, you know, that's why it comes out black. So if you have that scenario, that's a good indication to tell you, like, hey, your bike got pretty dang hot. And, um, you know, maybe keep an eye on it the next few times and, and make sure everything's good. I feel like, is there an oil out there, like, I'll change my oil, right? And I'll go ride one day and it's black. Like, I feel like almost all oils are that way, No. I think depends on the rider, depends on how often you do it. So if you're changing oil and you have dirty oil in it, you put new oil in, there's still residual in there. So you might still get dirty oil. If you stay on top of it, it should stay fairly clean. Um, as far as oils, 
I mean, everybody has their opinion on oils. Um, right. I just go off of what I see in the best longevity, which we've talked about before on your yep. shop. I'm, I'm, I've always been a pretty big fan of Motul. Um, the oil, man, we can abuse it, and it seems to last and hold up to the heat better than what we see with most oils. Now, I will say I haven't tried all the oils. There's so many out there, but, I mean, we've just always had good luck with it, and, you know, good luck with parts so i feel like it's uh it's a kind of like a religion right like if you believe in it stick with it you know and, and do that what works for you <laughs> because there's so yeah, many yeah, out no, there for sure you know all i all i can say is if your oils change your color black and it's going black fairly rapidly you might want to consider looking at a different oil you want it to last longer than maybe an hour um are you opposed you know, are you opposed to synthetic over uh you know a petroleum based oil that's a deep topic in that. So every every synthetic oil has a petroleum base. It's all it all has that in there. It has the synthetic additive packs added to the oil. It's what they put in the oil that makes the bigger difference. So uh, it could be zinc, zinc, sulfur. How much of that they're putting into it, and then there's the friction modifiers. Friction modifiers are usually the ones that kill the clutch because they don't. Um, they don't interact well with the fibers so you have to stick away stick get away from oils that have friction modifiers in there and most of the oils now um like early days when synthetics were coming to the dirt bike world they were using friction modifiers and clutches were an issue but most of the manufacturers have gone away from that um you know so uh, i know for example with like henson henson they like to use mineral base because anything uh, synthetic, depending on what's put in it, doesn't really act well with their um, acidizing, oh, okay. which is like an anodizing. It's just a different version. Right. Um, but th- they always recommend using a mineral base, and it's fine. You just have to change it a lot more frequently. Hmm. That's interesting because I. F- so there's. I, I feel like there's two points in the engine that really matter with oil. I mean, everything matters, but like two heavy points would be clutch, and then rod, right? Yeah, especially with the plane bearing uh, motors that are coming out. So, yeah, that, and that's that's a really tough one. These plane bearing motors uh, versus the old roller bearing. So, who has plane oil. bearing? Who has plane bearing nowadays? Plane bearing is Yamaha. Yamaha four fifty. Yep. Two fifty. Two fifty for the new. The Yamaha two fifty rumored to be on uh, the new one. Oh, the twenty four. Okay. The 24, we don't know yet. Right. Uh, Cowie, both 250 and 450 are plane bearing. Uh, uh, KTM, all the Austrian brand, all plane bearing. Oh, they are. Plane so, bearing. okay. All plane bearing. So, with those, you've got to use uh, a thicker film strength oil. And it, what that means is like, so you have your two numbers, you have uh, a 10, a, Z, a 10 W. 40 a 10w50 and then there's 5w40 5w50 so the second number is your film strength so a 40 doesn't have as much film strength as a 50 so it that's your protection when the motor gets hot so um if you were using like a 10w30 you're not going to have as much film strength in between the parts right to protect them so when you get, uh, you know, warmer temperatures and motor gets hot, 
you can run the risk of damaging and gulling parts and all kinds of stuff. So let me let me try to understand this because I'm a really newbie when this stuff is. I'm learning something right now. So I would love to have a chart, and I can maybe stick stick this up on my website, is advantages and disadvantages. So I'm going to say 530, advantages. Lighter maybe helps free up your engine feeling. Disadvantage, not great for heat. Something like that? And Yeah, and parts. Yeah, so you, you'll... You might get a little bit more grab uh, with your clutch with uh-huh. a you know a, a thirty film strength versus a fifty. Okay. You know, fifty. If you go too thick and it's not hot enough out, you yeah. usually want to use the 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 higher number like a fifty when you come into hot summer months. Mm. Uh, because as the motor gets hotter, it will stand up to that heat better. Got but it. there's also there's also a point where you go too thick, then it starts to rob power from the motor. And it drags, right? Yeah, it drags. Right. So I guess yep. it depends on how performance-driven you are. If you, more, if you want more longevity, you're saying you, want, you, you almost feel like, if I want more longevity, I can maybe get a little bit more film strength, and that could help me, possibly, yeah, in the, in the when summer it, months. When it, in the summer months, yeah, for sure. Hmm. Okay. For sure. Because I'm usually just 1040 year round, and maybe I should rethink yeah, I that. Mean, well, we live in California. Um, you know, winter we don't have to worry a whole lot when it comes to that. So summer, summer, yeah, we get hot, but most of the tracks when it comes hot, they're really not ripped deep out yeah, here. So correct. We so, don't we don't have like crazy loads. Right. That's that's one thing I, I was going to say is like, yeah, we have very hot weather, but our tracks are choppy and hard packed. So we're not putting a heavy load on our engines, correct? Correct. Yeah. And then you East Coast guys listening to this, it's the opposite. You have high heat and humidity. And then you guys got tracks that are just sapping power from the dirt. So maybe a, a, a thicker film would actually help in that situation if you want a little bit more longevity. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we go back to like if you're running a 10W30 and you it gets really hot, and you go out for an hour and the oil's already turned black. Right. It's a good indication that that oil's not standing up to the heat. And there's nothing wrong. Let's say this guy's super anal and OCD and he changes his oil after every ride. Is that is that cool? As long as it's not coming out black. And what if it's coming out black? Then he needs to switch it up. I think what I would recommend, no matter what brand it is, I would recommend trying a different oil, whether it's a higher film strength or a different brand. And there's nothing wrong with changing oils if you drained your other oil, correct? Because I get that question a lot as well. Um, Certain oils can leave a film, and it goes back to that whole friction modifier thing. Friction yeah. modifiers want to bond two parts. So for the most part, any of the motorsport oil that is out there and recommended, they don't have those sort of additives in there now, so you should be okay. Okay. Yeah, because I remember you know, when I was younger – my dad's like, you can't mix premix. If you got one brand, you can't do another brand. Like, you stick with the brand, you know, like a two-stroke days. Yeah. Yeah. Oils were very different then than they are now. 
So I guess that's that's fine too. Premix, if you guys want to switch brands, that's that's cool too, as long as it's not blended together inside the same can. Yeah, Got yeah. It. Don't never mix two different um, premixes in a two stroke. That could definitely cause some separation. Like a synthetic versus an ester based oil. Correct. Yep. Okay. Now this is all shit that I never knew about, Chad. Like that's good information for me. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> uh, uh, ECUs, gotta love them. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of a lot of them out now these days. We got Get, we got Aim, we've got Vortex. I'm probably missing another one or two of them that are out there that maybe I haven't tried. But uh, I've preached this a lot, and I didn't think I was going to be on this bandwagon. And and you can talk about it, but like I would rather have. Some if I had some money and I got a bike, let's say I got a KTM two fifty SXF, and I'm like, look, man, I can't get a muffler. FMF doesn't have any. Pro Circuit's out of stock, but I can pay twelve hundred a grand, whatever it is, for a Vortex ECU tune. I feel like I'm on that bandwagon because I'm getting a lot more out of that than I am a muffler. So, would you concur? Hundred percent. Right. And it's hard to understand. It's hard to relate that to people. I'm like, hey man, I know it's not shiny and pretty and titanium, but you stick this yellow box or whatever box underneath your seat, and you have it mapped, and you put that in there. It'll it'll kind of change your life, and and the way you <laughs> it'll kind of change your life and the way you how much you like to ride dirt bikes because I didn't know a lot about them until I stayed hanging out with you more and learning more about the ECU and what it can do. And this is maybe. Four to five years now I've been doing this. And before that, I was like, I heard Big James talk, and I'd be like, my son ain't going overseas to ride these Supercrosses without a suspension and his ECU. And I'm like, what the fuck's he need an ECU for? Like, And now I get it. Yeah. Yeah, there's so much to it. Um, ECU is what controls everything on the bike, right? Right. So it uh it can really change the character uh so much i mean you can make a bike really mellow you could make it crazy wild if you really wanted to um it just opens up a lot of doors uh, as to what you can do with the ecu it's endless and reliability it's not it i'm trying to think of the word it doesn't go it doesn't hurt reliability as much as a full mod motor correct I, so with, I mean, because I feel like, yeah, okay, let's say the cutoff rev limit is maybe a little bit more, and maybe you're adding a little bit more power, but you're still using the stock internal parts. So I'm sure at some point there is a timeout uh, level where it's going to be less than what the the manufacturer standard is, but not as much as if you dove in there and did a full mod motor, I feel like. So... To, yes. Okay. So if you're taking a stock bike and you're pushing the rev limit too far with an ECU, and this goes to other tuners as well, if they're really pushing the rev limit, you will have reliability issues. There's always a rule of thumb, like whatever the rev limit is, well, you know, we can usually go a couple hundred RPM over the limit um, versus stock right. to try to just extend the curve a little bit but it's dependent on the components in in the bike so 
Um, let's see if I could give an example, like on a KTM 250 uh, with, with a stock valve train, I want to say they rev to 14 or just under, maybe it's like a 13.8, that's their stock limiter. We can push that to like 14.6 safely for 20 hours. Mm. If if we, depending on, and that's with a pro level rider. Right. Um, if we wanted to go to say 15,000, which we do with some of the race 250s now, that will cut down the, the, the interval time for service drastically. Okay. Now, the only reason why we would go that far with a rev limit is if the power kept going up there, right? right? Yep. If, the, if it's not making power up there, there's no point in keeping it. Uh, uh, okay, so the way the motor's built is what you're saying. Correct. So uh. with, stock, with stock bikes, you can push the rev limit a little bit further, but not it's, – it's still the, you know, based on the parts that are in there. So we, we typically, with the customer stuff, non-race – um, we don't go crazy high limits because we know that the components can't handle it. And honestly, so, 250 going, RPM is a lot feeling wise. I mean, I feel like it, it's a ton. Yeah, it, it really is a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy because I know Yamaha on their new 23 YZ 450, they went plus 500 on between the 22 and the 23, which is crazy. Right. And that bike, that bike could handle it before because you know, it had good components in there. Um, so yeah, I mean, even, you know, it, it's, it's a little bit dependent on curve and yeah, it does help. It helps the, uh, you know, to rev out each gear a bit. Hmm. So I, I'm here to say, and I think Chad can back me up is if you're looking for something for your bike and you're just got some money burning hole in your pocket, right. And, I know it's tough to get a muffler these days. I hear your guys' complaints. I hear them. You guys are bitching at me. How the hell do you have a muffler on your bike? I've been on a six-month waiting list. F you, Kiefer. Like, I get it. I understand it. Uh, oh, man. Uh, but you, the ECU is a great option, guys. And I'm not just trying to, hey, I'm a salesman. I'll upsell you on this Vortex. No, it's up to you, whatever the hell you guys want to do. But, like, uh, some of the best motorcycles I've ridden and the most fun I've had is a stock engine with a muffler and an ECU. And I'm like, holy shit, this is a huge, huge advantage. Yeah, I mean, it, it can, um, it, it just changes the character of the bike so much. And, and by the way, I like, I, yeah, I sell Vortexes and Gets and, right. you know, um, AIM ECUs. I don't get paid by any of these guys. For us, we just, we right. do this so that we can – it's a good option for guys that are looking for a little bit more power. And I, um, and I know that you're bit, not making well, a shit ton of money on these things either. So it's not like you no, you got to no, sling them out, right? So No, the, the amount of time that we put into the mapping is, is phenomenal. Um, that's the other side of things that people really don't know what goes into it. It's not just – I'm sitting in front of a laptop pushing buttons and <laughs> right. and making changes. It's it like to map a bike uh, will take usually about a day with a vortex, and it can take two with a get. It, is it harder to and use? And that's the one get? map. Um, it's not harder to use the get. It's just it's more steps. Okay. Um, to program it, it's just a a little bit different way of doing. Um, 
you know, their software and what you have to do, but both good systems okay. work well. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm on a get right now on my Yamaha YZ450 and it's just the base maps. And that's my next question before I leave this ECU talk is, uh, I get a lot of these guys hit me up. Hey man, I just want to buy the box. Do I have to get it mapped because it's an extra 250 bucks per map? I don't want to spend the money. And I'm like, look, man, uh, Yes, I think it's worth the $250 per map if you're going to do it because it's tuned exactly for what you want and you don't have to worry about it. Like, I'm on Get's base map right now, right? Um, I went in blind on this. I slapped it on my YZ450. I'm running fuel that Dan over at Get is yelling at me about because it's not mapped for that. So, and it is a lot better than the stock ECU, but I know in the world of ECUs, because I've had them on my bike, I can get that thing a lot cleaner and a lot more connected to my to my rear wheel if I had you map it, right? So for me, and what was Chad saying, there is a lot of work. I've been out with Chad before mapping these things, and he works hard to dial it in for what you guys want to do, and his maps have a wide variety. We call like track toughness in our world, Chad. So it has a lot of that because it's it's built for, um, you could call Chad and be like, hey, man, I have an FMF or hey, man, I have a Kropovich. And I feel like when you have one of the maps that you've created, it works well with a wide range of things. We try to do that. So you, obviously we can't map every bike. Correct. And there is variables. Right. Each bike and you could have a fuel pump that produces one PSI more or less than the next one that we've mapped to. And you'll get a little bit variation in the map. You have different people using different exhausts, air filters, blah, blah, blah. And what we try to do is try to keep it general with the fuels. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it's more specific, specific to the fuel in the map, not so much everything else that's going on besides a mod, like, um, I did have a scenario where a guy got a mod Bowie 250. I think he bought it used and he got, he wanted an ECU cause it didn't have one on there and we mapped it and it wasn't, it wasn't uh, running quite right. Okay. Um, and the guy called me back. He's like, Oh, it's kind of, it's like a little hesitant and this. And I was like, okay, well, is there anything done to the motor? He's like, yeah, it's a full mod. Oh, I was like, Oh, yeah. okay. All right. Well, that could be why. Luckily enough, he was he actually lived in California and, and not too far from the shop, and he brought it to us, and we mapped it. And yeah, I mean, it was just so different from the setup that that we had based off of that stock bike that we had to. But he had different cams, piston, uh, air boot, fuel. It was just it was totally different. So, so when like, you start getting into yeah. that kind of stuff, wow. yes, it has to be specific. Yeah, because I mean, every little thing. There's like an action and reaction to everything, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So even even sometimes just adding holes in an in airbox um, <sighs> can really change it. I'm telling you, that's a great point. So you brought up something that just reminded me of something last week. So I'm testing um, uh, airbox covers on a YZ450, right? And I, yep. have, I have three or four of them, and then I'm on the closed one, the stock one, and then I put a stock one with holes on each side like long maybe a two inch long holes on each side and dude it made 
such a difference. And for me, it was in the wrong way. I hated it because it was way right. too touchy. There's too much air coming in there. I had way too much snap, and it would screw up my corners. I'm like, holy shit, man. I, I got to go back to the stock box. I don't even want to fuck with this anymore because I don't need any more power. Like, I'm not doing it. Right. Yeah, so what it, what's interesting about that is that the Yamaha 450 for 28 they really closed the airbox compared to what they were doing before, um, like the 22, uh, what was it, 19 to 22 platform? Yeah. Yep. 18, yeah. 18, 22. 18, 18. Yep. Um, it's just so different. Um, and yeah, I could see, I could definitely see why uh, that would make such a difference. And uh, yeah, <laughs> and it usually affects the low end a lot. It'll affect the low end a lot and typically more the mid to top transition with air vents in air boxes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it can really change the character. And it makes it loud as shit and I don't like it. Well, some guys like it, some don't. Whatever your flavor is. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Um, all right, so I'm a really uh, big uh, advocate of ECUs. So if you guys are looking for something that's worth your money, that's something I would look into. Chad's really good at that. Um, last thing I want to mention to you uh, about is what's your what's your favorite thing to work on on a motorcycle? Like. You're in this obviously to make money, but obviously you love doing this. So like when you go into work and you're not <laughs> when you're not overwhelmed with all the work you got. <laughs> what uh what what is something that on the bike that you just love to work on yourself? Um so I like the challenge of making them fast, okay. right? Or yep. better. So what does that mean? Uh, you know each bike is a little bit different. Like uh, 450s, we're usually trying to find a way to make them more rideable um, because of the amount of torque and power they have. 250s, we're just trying to find every ounce of whatever we can out of it to make it, you know, as fast as a 450, right? Yeah. So I like that challenge. Um, I, I like, you know, making the parts for them. Um, you know, because we have that capability in our shop, uh, you know, just, just being able to, you know, imp- try to improve them and make them better. And, what's, you know, uh, what's harder, it. 250 or 450? I mean, obviously I feel like 450 would be harder, right? Because you got to have controlled mm-hmm. power. Uh, 250 is way harder. Really? Yeah. You just, so a 450, you've got it. You can manipulate it with ECU. You can you can change gearing you can do a lot um to to kind of get them where you want the power it does take a little bit more work sometimes with maps uh, obviously we experienced that when we were testing with your yamaha 450 right. right yep 250 they don't they're small displacements so they they don't bring in as much air as what a 450 does so in order to get power out of it you really have to you really have to be doing some, some stuff to get it to work. And like, we'll try everything from valve sizes, cam profiles, crank weights, flywheel weights, uh, gearboxes, compression ratios, ports, exhaust, intake lengths, exhaust lengths, you name it. With 450, we don't, it's already pretty much there and we can kind of, you know, we can manipulate it with ECU and, 
other things is just 250s are fun there's the fact that you can just you know go crazy i tell you what man i still think me and aiden still talk about that one that we rode the honda at state fair that one day that you had it and no one raced it yet but man that was a fun bike to ride dude yeah no i mean it's uh aiden still talks about it well that's cool it, it was a really good bike. Um, unfortunately, it didn't get raced, but uh, it, it some of that went into the 22 Honda 250 platform that we were doing um, with R&D and stuff like that. And, and even from that bike down, where the bike is now, is is uh, it's improved. Uh, you get, you, you know, got some torque out of those things now, Chad? Yeah, we definitely got torque. Yeah, because I get a lot of vet guys. I'm like, I want a Honda, but I don't feel like it has enough torque. I'm like, ah, I think I I know a guy that could probably get you some torque. We can definitely squeeze it out. But I had a call just recently with a guy that had a 350 KTM that was looking for 450 power. Right. Well, <laughs> shocking. So, <laughs> so that that we don't have the displacement, so it's not going to make the torque that a 450 would can we get it closer yes but the displacement is really what's going to give you your torque but on a 250 some of our mods we're making stock you know close to stock 450 horsepower numbers 350 we can make stock 450 uh horsepower numbers it just doesn't make the same torque it doesn't have the displacement right so that's where that feel comes from that torque right i just think it's amazing you get these calls that i do hey man I got a 350, but I, I I need more power. I need, I want a 450 power. Like just fucking buy a 450. Like, like yeah, it, it's hard, man. Like I, it's tough to please these people. Like I get it, and I understand it what is. people are, are they want to do. Like, but man, you got a 350. It's 100 cc's less than a 450. So yes, we could get you some more, but it's not going to feel like your 450. It's just not. Yeah, you, you can't. Unless you make it a big board, but then you're, well, just, yeah, exactly. you're kind of defeating the big, right. you're defeating the purpose. Right. So, I still stand by but, this, Chad. Is a three fifty is the funnest bike for me to ride, and I'm going to answer. Hundred percent. There's a there's a question here after we talk that I'm going to answer is why don't you ride them more? And I'm going to answer that. But for me, when I ride one again, muffler, ECU, good fuel, the KTM three fifty. Holy shit, man! It's the most fun bike to ride ever. It's a great bike. It's a good engine for sure. Yeah. Um, it's uh, 450s keep getting faster and faster. And the calls that we get with 450s is like, hey, I want to mellow this thing out. What can I do? And we say ECU because then we can we can really, you know, make it manageable. Even right. if we're making more power with it in certain areas, we can make it manageable. Um, whereas, a, you know, 350, if you really want like, crazy power you just kind of have to start doing motor stuff but even the ecu unlocks a lot of power with that too yeah so. i mean it really does it adds torque like i was like honestly it's snappier at times to me than a 450 so i'm thinking to myself well what the hell does people want because i've ridden these things back to back and i'm like i get more excitement and rpm response from this 350 than i do the 450 well i think even with 250s and and what we're doing in the direction we've gone with them too is like you can get that excitement mm-hmm. um out of a 250 as well um it you know 
it's still not going to have the torque, but you can definitely get that excitement. It's just a different feel. Right. Yeah, it's crazy. All right, well, I didn't even mean this to go this long, honestly. It was supposed to be like a 15-minute snippet with you, but as always, it goes longer than usual. I feel like we covered all different kinds of shit within about 45 minutes, so. It's always good fun. Yeah. So Uh, much more to talk about. There is. Uh, So how can people get a hold of you if they want to get some stuff, Chad? Uh, well, we have, uh, emails and, uh, phones, okay. so we use those. XPRPerformance.com, uh, is that the website? <laughs> no, <laughs> it's, uh, it's XPRMotorsports.com is the website, and, uh, email is info at XPRMotorsports. Uh, you can, uh, contact us. I've, I've or even social media. I've put xprperformance.com in and it goes to your website. We, so yeah, I mean, it should come up because we've, you bought that URL, we right? Try, we try to, we try to get all that, but there's a, there is another company called, uh, X, XP, it's XRP actually. And people get, uh, confused with, it's actually a hose fitting company for uh like motorsports but oh well i'm typing this in right now and it says yeah it goes okay xpr motorsports all right that's where you go people yep chad thank you very much i will hopefully oh and uh, see you soon with that yz450 that's in your shop right now what yz450 how we doing over there how's that thing looking that that hey chad that's the loretta bike be careful be careful. <laughs> You're racing Loretta's? I guess so. I can't make a fucking lap at the Outdoor <laughs> National. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Well, we're, we're, uh, are we together? We're, Is it together? Where are we at on it? I mean, let's just talk about it on the show, I guess. Let's just blow it out of the water. So you're trying to put me on the spot, huh? <laughs> yeah, putting you on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's together. It's together. It's together. Is it on the dyno? It's seen the dyno. Oh, shit. We're going. Nice. It's going. All right. We're waiting on back-ordered parts, so. Yeah, good I luck. Mean, yeah. Yeah. We're good now. We're good now. All right. Well, yeah, so I had Chad. Uh, he's building, not building me a race engine because Chad knows me. I don't like gnarliness. I like smooth and broad. But uh, Chad, um bulletproofed me a YZ450. So we, we put a rod in it and uh, just rebuilt it for me before before we head over to the deep conditions of Tennessee. Yes, sir. All right. Well, thank you, Chad, for your time, and we will see you soon. No problem. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Now we're going to move on to uh, another <laughs> one that I get a lot of is, Kiever, why don't you ride a 350 more? Since you talk about it so much and you ended up purchasing one, why don't you ride more? How come we don't see you riding them more? Wow. Harold Ludmar. Where is Harold Ludmar from? Doesn't say. Well, Harold, uh, I will be riding a 350. It is going to be built. Uh, Jamie's going to do the engine. And we will be doing more of that, but I have to get through Loretta's first. And I think uh, once that is done, I'll be able to have a little bit more freedom of where and when I can ride this bike. And uh, 
I'm not going to say for sure, but maybe possibly uh, riding that at the World Vet uh, race at Glen Helen. So that is uh, something I'm looking forward to. It's something different. Um, I've been doing in the Yamaha YZ450F thing on my own time for races for quite a long time. I've tried to race other brands of motorcycles. It just doesn't fit me when I race. Um, so there's one bike out there right now that interests me, and that was a 350 as far as building it, making it fun to ride, um, exciting, kind of like what Chad and I talked about earlier is how exciting that bike is. Uh, when you do a little bit of work to it, you don't need a lot of work to it, but just a little bit, it really does wake it up. And uh, this one will be a full built one, so I'll have enough power. I won't be able to bitch and say I don't have enough torque. I won't be one of those guys that emails me and says, hey, I want a 450 because <laughs> I know I'm on a 350. So, uh, Harold, that is the reason why, but um, it is coming, and it's going to be a really cool build. We're going to do it over on racerxonline.com. You can check that out here soon. But it will not be until after the summer is done and then the family and I are back from Tennessee because uh, the next two months will be help training uh, with Aiden. We're going to go back um, next week for a couple weeks to do a block of training. Then I'll be back. I have a week of testing, and then we're going to head back uh, east already because it'll be time to race Tennessee. And then after Tennessee, I will be in the United Kingdom racing the, the Vet Motocross Donations. So that is also on the agenda for the end of August. So after that, after that is all wrapped up, we'll be doing the Church of 350 build. And uh, you guys should be excited because I am. And uh, it should be fun. I was thinking <clears throat> I was thinking about bringing that bike out to the Millville Ride Day, the Pulp MX Millville Ride Day, and uh, letting some of you guys try it. So maybe the 10 guests that I bring, uh, if you want to try the old Church of 350, maybe I'll bring that and uh, ride that at Millville. I feel like that'll be great because Alex Martin has a 350, and he says he loves it. So I'll bring mine and really get him chubbed up because I feel like he would if he rides one that's built and that's set up pretty good. So maybe uh, you lucky Millville ride day people on Saturday will be able to uh, check the 350 out, maybe go for a spin. Uh, last one because we are running a little bit long on the show. Kiefer, my name is Alex. Another Alex. Oh, there's a lot of Alexes out there. My name is Alex. I am 18 years old, and I would love to get into the industry. I just don't know enough people, and I'm based on the East Coast. How would a guy like me be able to get a job like you in the industry? Well, Alex, let me tell you. It is, uh, it's a little bit of smoke and mirrors in our industry, I feel like. Um, it is who you know, and I feel like that is just the way of the world right now. It's who you know. Um, if you know someone, chances of you getting into that uh, job is a little bit better than someone that doesn't know anybody, and that is no different here in our industry. I wish it wasn't like that, but that is kind of how it is. It is a very small industry. Even from the outside, it looks really big. It is very, very tiny. Um, I see the same faces a lot. So, again, if you end up fucking up or you end up burning a bridge, those same faces see you as well. So, you do got to make sure you do a good job and you got to uh, make sure that you do enough work because just doing one job nowadays in anything is not going to cut it in this industry at all. It's just not going to do it. So how you can do it is 
is you got to look at certain things what you're good at. So figure out what you're good at and what you want to do. You just can't ride for a living. Kiefer, I want to do what you do. I just want to ride dirt bikes. It, well, on the outside, that's what you see. But there's a lot more things that I do behind the social media scene versus just ride a dirt bike. Riding the dirt bike is part of it, but you've got to be able to articulate what you're feeling to engineers, to companies, to people like on this show or and you got to write. You got to be able to write. I don't know how many times um and even some of my guys are guilty and they'll they'll tell you, you know. Um Eddie Laird is my mechanic. He does a great job for me, but he can't write that well. So it's tough for me to edit some of his stuff. So it takes a long time for me to edit and it's almost just worth it at times just be like I'll just fucking do it myself. So to have the quan, I like to say that word from Jerry Maguire. If you have the quan, which is you're able to ride somewhat. You don't have to be a professional motocross rider. If you're able to articulate what you feel on a motorcycle, if you're able to write good, able to write and articulate that onto your keypad to an article, that is excellent. And then you're able to talk to people. Uh, these are the things that are very, very rare in our world right now. Having all of those things and getting paid you know, starting out forty-five to fifty-five thousand dollars, you're not going to get a lot of quality type people to do the work. You're just not. I worked for free for many, many years. I had to prove myself. Um, for example, not even on the scale of the job I have now, but you know, when I first started at Pulp with Steve, I didn't take any money. I was driving up to Vegas a lot, and he would ask me, "Hey, I'll give you, you know." 100 bucks for gas on the way up here. And I just refused it because I wanted to be worth something. I wanted to show them, hey, man, I am worth hiring. Um, at Dirt Rider, I was a test rider photo model for many, many years. Got no pay. Used, I was in the magazine for f- almost four years. Never got one dime. Drove to test, drove to shootouts, did all of that. Got nothing. Uh, why? Because I wanted to show them and I was responsible. I showed up on time. Um, I looked good on a bike. And then what happens is like, Hey, Kiefer is, uh, he's not a headache. So let's try to get him on the magazine. So it's a seamless addition. The people above me didn't want to babysit. They wanted a kid to come in and be seamless, be able to do the work, not bitch, Kind of know what he's doing. You don't have to be babysat all day, and it makes their job easier. That's what you need to be. It's a chameleon. You need to be that type of person nowadays to get this type of industry job, anything. So from a gear guy to a goggle guy to being a test rider, you have to have skills. So you have to be self-aware enough to be like, okay, I'm good at this and this, and then you really got to attack that. And the things that you aren't good at, you have to work on. If you don't work on those and you say, hey, I'm just not good at it, you're never going to be successful in anything, especially this industry, because you have to have so many titles within your name to do uh, a motocross industry job. You just can't sit behind a desk and say, yes, no, ship this out, ship that out. It doesn't work. And in, and in my case, I have to, you know, to answer emails, to test, to write, to type, to travel, to be able to talk to people. 
and have enough energy to do all the the normal day-to-day adult stuff that you have to do. But then you also have to be a salesman and say, hey, would you like to come on the show? I believe in your product. I like your product. Would you like to advertise? And then they have to understand what they're getting out of it. So it's not just take, take, take. You have to give too. So there's a lot of intricacies within this job. So just know if you want this job, which is great, you have to work hard and it's not a nine to five thing. That's one thing I do miss about before I started in this this media industry is where I could shut shut it all off. Like if I come home, I'm like, oh yeah, no phone, no email. That never stops in this world. Like it's never fully closed. Like you might have the closed sign out in your front door, <laughs> but the the front door is open. So people can just go, hello, hello, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm says closed, but I'm here. That's kind of this job. It never really shuts down. I have to answer emails. Uh, I have to answer my text messages. Uh, I have to write on the weekends. Like when it, my, my family's in the backyard enjoying a pool day, I, sometimes I'm in the office typing. Because I got to get a a jump on Monday, right? Monday morning, people want content. So guess what? That starts on the weekend. You got to do it on the weekend. So it's not as glamorous as you may think, Alex. It is great. I'm not deterring you from it. I just want you to be fully aware of what you might have to get into if you want this job. And this is just not this industry. It's I feel like that goes for every type of job. You guys listening that are are driving across country in the trucks or, you know, you're in the shop, you're a mechanic or whatever. You you guys know what I'm talking about. You got to fucking do a lot of jobs for one title. You might have 10 titles, but on your business card, it just might have one. But that's, that's smoke and mirrors because I'm doing 10 different things. So that's just the way of the world right now. You have to, you have to have a lot of hands to be able to keep a job nowadays. And then you can't, you got to be able to uh, be able to work with other people. You have to be somewhat of a people person. I mean, I'm a little bit of a hermit, but I also like to talk to people. You might, we, you know, we talk about oh, Kiefer Park's way out in the pits. That's just for more of a noise, quiet, calmness feel. It's not because I want to be away from people. It's just I want to be away from the noise, and just, I like when I interact with others. I like to be able to hear them. Instead of being like you're at a party and there's 25 people talking and you can hear one thing in the background. Like, I don't like that. So um, start there. Make sure you're self-aware and what you can do. And then look on MotorcycleJobs.com. They have a lot of great jobs. Steve does this on his show. I like that company because they really do have actually not just grunt work, but they actually have really good jobs that pay decent. In California, you got to make $75,000 to even live out here. And that's on the low side. Unfortunately, our industry is mostly in Southern California. There are bits and pieces throughout the United States. And it's getting a little bit better in other parts of the country. And I feel like since COVID, um, being at home, working at home is a little bit easier to do within our industry. But I feel like you still need to be in Southern California. So if you can move here, that's another benefit. And then also befriend people. I had a kid... I was racing the Cal Classic. Some kid walked up to me and introduced himself. He had flyers. He wanted to be a mechanic. He had a flyer in, that had his name, what his 
his duties that he can provide, all the things that he wants to do. And he was just asking people if anybody needed a mechanic in the amateur world. And that's what he was looking to do. And he's proactive. You don't see that shit anymore. I thought it was really cool. Like he's out there slinging. He's trying to trying to hustle. He's trying to get some work. So I thought that was awesome. That's something that is a lost art that doesn't really happen anymore. And it needs to. I would rather meet someone, get to know them face-to-face versus, hey, Kiefer, over an email, you need any help, which I appreciate. But let me make sure you're not a weirdo. Let me meet you. Let me get a vibe from you. Like, I, I want to learn, like, what you're about. And I sat and talked with him for 15 minutes. And and if Aiden didn't have a, a mechanic at the time already, I think it would have been cool to have him, you know. Or if I could been able to pay what he wanted, I, I would have done it because – I've got a good feeling. I met him. I can tell what kind of person he was because he was out being proactive and hustling and, and introducing himself. So those are the things that are important to get in the industry. People just say, how do I get in the industry? It's just not like, hey, man, email this guy. You can get a job. Like you got to have all of these intangibles to be able to work and be successful. Otherwise, you're going to get a job and get fucking fired in three months. So what's it matter? <laughs> so make sure all of your your – your T's and your your I's are dotted and your T's are crossed and 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 be a good person, man. That goes a long way. Trust me. I try to tell that to my kid all the time. If you're a good dude or a good lady, uh, people see it. Like people see it all the time, man. And again, our industry is small, so if you're not, it gets around and no one wants to work with you. Same for the riders. If you're a pain in the ass, I don't care how fast you are, unless you're winning everything. You're going to be stuck without a ride because the teams don't want to work with you. So um, that's it. That wraps up for the show. Uh, Thank you for joining me. I appreciate you guys supporting our advertisers. Uh, If you have an email question for me, chris at keferinktesting.com. If you're looking for some merch, go on to our shop on our website or email heather at keferinktesting.com. She is happy to help you as well. And thank you for all of you that subscribe to this show. Uh, if you know someone that rides dirt bikes, that uh, likes to hear no bullshit talk and laugh a little and get some information, please let them know about the show and it helps us grow. Um, I get quarterly numbers on this show, and we have been steadily getting better and better. I would like to grow a little bit more, um, but it has grown over the past six years, so it's very cool to see. So thank you to you guys out there that are actually spreading the the, the love around and letting people know about this. So um, if you see me at the track, no matter how far away I am, <laughs> come by, say hi. If you have a question, I'm happy to help you guys out as well. And uh, hopefully you got some information out of these questions that I get a lot of through my email inbox. And, uh, yeah, thank you to Chad over at XPR. There's a lot of quality stuff within that 40, 42 minutes of uh, interview that we did with him. So, Uh, It's a big one. Thank you for hanging tough. Hour and 30. I'm getting out of here. See you next week.